Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Hashtag Be the Good in Your Hood. It's a podcast dedicated to sharing the essential change that can occur in your place, in your neighborhood, and in your life through simple acts of hospitality. We are your hosts, Dave and Jen Colley. Well, welcome back to another week of Hashtag Be the Good in Your Hood. And today we are joined by a wonderful man and friend from Florida. He is the president of New Missions. He's author of Good Neighbors Make Great Neighborhoods. He's an advocate for National Good Neighbor Day, and he's a speaker at TEDx. So Tim Detellis, thank you so much for being here with us. Say hi to our listeners and give us just a quick intro and hello. It's great to be with you today. And, you know, thanks for the invitation. What a great opportunity to talk about the subject of neighboring and greetings from the sunshine state of Florida. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. We're excited that you're joining this conversation and you have had a piece of this conversation for multiple years. And we're just excited to sit here today and learn and glean from what you have to say and what you've learned along the way for our listeners. Hopefully there'll be something that they can pull out and do maybe and apply in their lives, in their neighborhoods. So let's start by asking, what is your role in your neighborhood? Mm. The question, what is my role, would have to take me into my iPhone to the contact where I actually have my name my wife's name, our home address, and my cell phone number. But there is a title on that contact. So therefore, that's what I'm going to share with you as my role. Because we have other roles, don't we? You know, organizations that we may serve through, or maybe, you know, you're going to go speak somewhere or someone introduces you as an author of a book. But in in this neighborhood where I live, my title on the contact that I share with my neighbors, the title is Neighbor. So my, my role in my neighborhood is to be your neighbor and it's very intentional. I do not do any fundraising in my neighborhood. Although I, I serve with a nonprofit, I don't do any, you know, solicitations for things, but at the end of the day, I I truly want to be your neighbor. I want to live here. I want to understand kind of your perspective of life, even your beliefs but also your needs and some of your desires. I want to know your kids' names, your animals' names. And I want to be your neighbor. But if there was a, what I would call sub-role to that, it would be the organizer, bringing people together around different events and also around different needs of projects in our community. Uh, I do not serve on our HOA board of directors. My wife has served on our HOA board of directors, and I resist the temptation to do that for many reasons, because I want to stay your neighbor and not your enforcer. (laughs) Yeah, we... we, that answers that. No, that's great. We kind of thought the same thing when we moved here to our neighborhood, and within weeks, we ended up on the board. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's been a good thing, but I definitely feel that sometimes of like, okay, I feel like I'm the guy that's not the administrator of our Facebook page, but I definitely have a voice of like, I don't know if that's the best conversation to be having right now. So that's a great role. So tell me a little bit about why is there a contact named neighbor in your phone? Well, that's because after I meet someone in the neighborhood, typically the conversation is hello. Like, you know, typically that's how I like to say the fastest way to meet a neighbor is say hello. You know, I may say hello to someone and it, you know, if they're in a good mood and they want to engage, then the conversation may continue. Or maybe I'll point out something I noticed like, oh, wow, 
what kind of dog is that? You know, and we start a conversation. Eventually, and the joke in the neighborhood today is, you know, if Tim meets you in about three minutes, he's going to ask you this question. Would it be all right if I text you my cell phone number in case you ever need anything? I live right around the corner. And so I open up my phone and I pull up that contact with my my name, my wife's name, and my phone number, and I send it to them. And when I send them that text of my contact, it gives me their cell phone number. And I save that in my phone with their name, their address. And then under the notes field, I, I do a hashtag neighbor. So I can take my phone and I can search hashtag neighbor and pull up all the neighbors on my phone to find them. And then, you know, based on the level of engagement or relationship, invite them to different things. Wow, that is an incredible like tip for neighboring. One, just your explanation of that as your role is really kind of cool. Um, one, because I feel like it's something actually we could all do. We could all mm. live in that role. But I think what's so incredible about it is that we often don't. And so the fact that you're really kind of stepping into that and saying, I, I want to do this. I want to be your neighbor. Um, and you really kind of even defined a little bit of what you think that means just by what you were saying when you share it. You know, if you ever need anything. And I want to know you. I want to know who you are and what you like to do. And I want to be willing to work with you to help you. You know, if you need something, here, here's something that you can have. Even you're contributing, you're giving your name and your number to give them an opportunity to connect. I think that's a really incredible way for us to think about what it means to be a neighbor. Um, and I, I kind of want to tuck that away as a, as a tip I'm going to use of put that contact in my phone because then you've also just removed a barrier. You don't have to type out your name and your number. It's just already there. It's ready to to share. So thanks for sharing that. That's a really great one. You know, I think that's something that is helpful when we think through how hospitality benefits us, but it benefits everybody in our neighborhood. And so that's really the question we're asking um, in this season of our podcast is to really dig into what good has come from the practice of hospitality in your neighborhood. And so I don't know if you want to piggyback off of what you just shared, but it really could be any specific thing you have seen that you would deem good coming from this practice of welcome and neighboring. We would just love to hear your story of, mm. of the good that's come in your own neighborhood. The, the good in our neighborhood today is definitely a contrast to what I once experienced, uh, Jen. I, I have to confess, I was not always the good neighbor. Uh, the idea of hospitality, I would never think of inviting a neighbor over. I used to hide in the backyard, go to the pool, and ignore my neighbors. So this concept of being the good neighbor was really a wake-up call for me when we moved out here to Eustis, Florida, and I really felt a conviction because I was traveling the country sharing a message about your mission fields right where you are. You know, how do you make a difference? But yet at home, I was reclusive and saying, see you later. But at the end of the day, um, when we moved here one by one, I started meeting neighbors and I would just do that little contact exchange. And then it opened up a door for something I never knew would happen. And now it's it gets me kind of emotional to think about it because now I can't imagine life without my neighbors. Uh, we truly, truly, truly have found community. And that would probably be the good that has happened in our hood is there's community. And that means not only are we connected in proximity, but we actually, truly care about one another. So tonight, if there was a crisis down the street and Jeff sent out a group text, hey, terror just got injured in the backyard. I need help. There'd be 12 guys and trucks and ladies running. I mean, we, we'd be like all hands on deck. And I can't, put a, I can't put a price tag on that. 
I just can tell you that's what community feels like. And I know even right now, um, I'm reflecting on a group text of, of eight men in our neighborhood over something recently, and we're there for one another. Uh, and there's not really judgment. It, it's more clarity or fact-seeking and, hey, how can we help? And But the community element too, the good in our hood is the fact that we're available for one another. And it's not just a sense of bragging rights, like, hey, come check out my new lawn or something. You know, it's, it's more like, yeah, hey, something, something we need help with. Can you, can you send somebody over? And they know I'll help connect that with some other neighbors and we'll show up and help make whatever needed to be done accomplished. Is there a specific set of tools that you've learned along the way or like something that has helped you know how to do that other than sharing your name and saying hello? Like, mm. Are there other kind of things that you find yourself doing kind of habitually or rhythmically? Yeah, there's a, a few things I'll, I'll tell you. I'm Sometimes I'm cautious on the specific how-to because I think environment should dictate how we interact because it's unique to that environment. So I tend to look at neighboring from the perspective of the mindset. And the mindset for me is number one, I truly want to care about my neighbor. And if you care about somebody, it's their interest in mine. It's not that I need you to know me. It's just, I want to know you. I, I want to know your story. So, you know, why'd you decide to move here? And, you know, what is the name of your dog? And, and caring about people is, is truly, I think, the lost art. So neighboring is one piece of that. But just most people are selfish. We just don't care. And that's why I didn't care. I didn't want to know my neighbors because it was all about me. So the caring component, if there was a, a specific action, it's the consistency of an event that I host every month called Guys Night Out on the last Tuesday of every month. And actually, I tried taking the last Tuesday of December off. <laughs> the guys wouldn't let me. <laughs> Anyways, I, I invite the men in our community to go out for wings or pizza or, or like this month uh, of April, we're going bowling. And it's so cool because I'll text literally over 30 men and they don't have to all show up. But guess what? They know that they're invited and that builds community. Because then offline, you know, one of the guys may see me the next week and go, hey, man, how do how was bowling? You know, you still stink. It's like, yeah, I still stink. Okay, cool. You know, and that's awesome, right? Uh, but that consistency has been a big thing. I, I also think just the element of pausing. Like, you know, when you go down the street, I have a neighbor that we go bike riding several times a week together. We went bike riding last night. We don't just zoom past somebody, you know, you actually stop and you do that magical phrase. Hello, you know, good to see you. Right. That, change, that changes everything. You know, I think it's interesting, like, I don't think there are very many people that would not want the good you just mentioned, you know, this sense of community, of belonging, of feeling like you have a reason for being here and you have friends and you have people to do things with. Mm -hmm. I don't know very many people who would say, I don't want that, but I think you touched on this thing of like, why do we not have it? I feel like a lot of people don't have it. And it is that piece of what does it take for us to care about somebody to really say, you are an interesting person and worth considering outside of my own interests, my own desires. And that's, that's really kind of a big deal. You know, I mean, when you're talking about it, I really see this joy and this um, just really fun about what it's like to, to invest in other people and have your guys nights out. But I think I'm also hearing behind that there is some work involved in that, some conscious decision to say, this is important. Is there something that you found just in your story of, of a challenge in that or something that, that does kind of touch on the, the work or the hard part of it? Yes. And that word would simply be consistency. 
right? So I think it's easy to be creative. I think it's harder to be consistent. The creativity may be, hey, there's this campaign, like National Good Neighbor Day, let's do something fun that week. But the idea to be a good neighbor every day or have something on a regular scheduled calendar, like, so for me, the guy's night out is the anchor. So every month I know that's when I'll send out the invites. That's when what I call new, deeper relationships get formed. So there are guys in that group that met for the first time at a pizza shop and now they're buddies, but they met there and they both lived in the neighborhood for years, never met one another. Wow. I, I didn't make them friends. The invite invited them. And then now they're able to go off and, and develop that friendship where I also think that the consistency factor is important is I think that's the burden. The excuse is I don't have enough time. I don't. And I honestly, I don't, I travel, I, I literally, I do a hundred live events a year. You know, I don't have enough time. So therefore I create a very specific moment that I know is my anchor. So the last Tuesday, boom. Now there are some guys, we do different things. Like I go bike riding with Jeff you know, there's a guy, George, he and I go out to eat when my wife's out of town, we'll meet up. But ultimately having an anchor event really helps because then you know that's going to be your consistent. So, you know, the ladies may do a book club and they're meeting once a month, they're going through a book or there may be a walking group and it's like, hey, neighbors, all are welcome. We go walking on the last Friday, every morning, Friday morning or last Saturday, we're going to meet at, you know, 8 a.m. and go for a walk. If there's something consistent you can do, then that makes your to-do a little bit easier because you're not having to think, well, this week, what am I doing next week? What am I doing? So I'm not thinking every week, I got to find something for the neighbors to do. I know these are my main go-tos, but I think again, the, the biggest win is availability that I believe is the highest benefit of being a good neighbor is that they know, and I know, and even the guys that go out after they go out that night, I send a group text and say, reply to the group text and tell everyone your first and last name because we are now all available for one another, right? That's a huge win. Yeah, so you mentioned that this is not how you've always been, that this has mm. been a newer shift, maybe, you know, I don't know how long, maybe you can kind of speak to that, how long this last little, I'm going to be a good neighbor kind of thing. But also, could you share what was the process or what life stories or events kind of helped grow that in your heart over the years? Mm. Or was it just a, Overnight, I woke up and I'm like, you know what? I just, it's time for me to be a good neighbor. Right. So we have lived here for eight years. So this has been an eight year journey of being the good neighbor. And it truly was a intentional pivot when we moved here. Mainly, you know, you're starting fresh, but also the awakening for me was I grew up overseas and I had experienced community, true, deep community. Because we lived down a three-mile dirt road on the ocean in a third world country where the villagers needed one another for survival. So community was essential. It was what I would call non-negotiable. It wasn't an option. Like here in the United States, for the most part, you know, most neighbors, eh, you know, they can take care of themselves. You know, I don't need you to bring me you know, a basket of fruit in the morning for my family to survive, right? Or I don't need to share my garden crop with you. Although I have had neighbors that I brought cereal to because I know their favorite cereal brand and that makes them laugh and they love it. Although they can still afford their own cereal. The point is, is that we don't really need each other. So some people can get very kind of private and removed, but reflecting back on my life in Haiti and living in a third world country, I realized, man, these people had community. 
And we're just missing out on the benefit of it. And the benefit of it is we're stronger together. You know, we can do more together. We can enjoy things together. I think also coming through this recent unfortunate event of COVID, I think also taught us at a very deeper level, the danger of isolation and how we actually do need one another for good health. Um, mm -hmm. Isolation is not good, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically, the fact that I can go for a bike ride with the neighbor, with all due respect, Dave, I don't really like to exercise. I like to eat. I'm Italian. Okay. My love language is food. But because Jeff texts me bike question mark, guess what? I'm not going to say no to that. So I've been biking with this guy for like literally six years. You know? Yeah. That's so awesome. Yes, but Yeah. That's really cool. I think I'm wondering if we really do need each other at the same like survival level, like what you just brought out. It's just hidden here in our culture because, you know, like you said, in, in COVID, I think we recognized a different layer of need. You know, it might not be my physical food or my shelter, but there is a need as a human to be connected and to experience community and our mental health. I feel like we're seeing that in our culture. The great need to be healthy in that realm is maybe coming from this struggle that we have with, with isolation. Mm -hmm. And so in a sense, I feel like we just as much as any culture need each other for survival. We just don't maybe recognize it because it's a little more hidden as far as what mm -hmm. that need would be. Um, gosh, I, I love that you brought that out, though, of you know the essential nature of this practice of hospitality because it leads to that community and that connectedness, um, which I think is really a human, a human need. Like we, we do need each other. Well, yeah. And I think sometimes we pull back from this idea of trying to point out the benefits because we don't want people to neighbor for themselves. <laughs> right. And so sometimes we steer away or kind of pull back on the reins of trying to share too many, like, Oh, this is good for your health and this will be good for your mental stability and this will be good for your spiritual life and like, it'll bring your marriage together. And like those all things are actually true. Like good neighboring and you actually get into this practice of living in, in community with other people, it mm. does benefit all of these things. And sometimes we forget maybe to mention that even in our podcast because we want them to do it out of the right motives. Mm. <laughs> and maybe I... Maybe that's wrong. Maybe we should just tell people, neighbor for the wrong reasons and see what happens. <laughs> just be consistent about it. But that is interesting that you mentioned and just hearing you talk and just the stories and the, and the smile and joy and energy that it brings as you tell these stories, it is a benefit. There is mm. good that comes from these simple little practices that maybe seem really hard in, in the beginning. I'm glad that you brought that out. Any ideas on your end or any thoughts with trying to steer away or hold back from telling people too many benefits? Yeah, the, I'll tell you where a little bit of a surprise for me with the, call it the benefit side of it is I actually have some friendship now that I didn't have. And this is going to sound a little bit maybe vulnerable, if I may say, you know, when you meet people at an event and you're the person that's on the stage, or maybe you're the person they read the book about or whatever, however they were introduced to you, they already have this, call it, preconceived notion that, you know, I should like you. But if I meet a neighbor, there's no reason they should like me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, other than maybe we were in the same vicinity of a zip code or something, but they, there's really no like, okay, I should like you. No, I just happen to live next to you. Whoop-de-doo, right? But what has been funny is our neighbors, <laughs> I'm laughing because 
This is so true. We know each other more on the raw side of life, like the no makeup, you know, sweaty walking. I, I have a fire pit out back and a lot of nights, you know, we'll do a campfire and, you know, and you're going, when we finally go out somewhere and we meet up at a restaurant and they're dressed nice, we kind of laugh. We're like, Dave, man, you're sharp looking. Like, he's kind of like, who are you? You know. So I think it's kind of interesting. I think we we unfortunately live in a world of masks, you know, when it comes to just professions or places in which we encounter people. So then you walk in the room and there's the doctor or there's the dentist or there's the whomever fill in the blank, you know? And so, you know, that person because of their profession, but maybe we should just know one another because we're neighbors, you know, we're humans coexisting, caring, concerned neighbors, whatever we do for a living. Well, that's just a bonus that, you know, that is a good thing, but it doesn't really make you who you are. Right. And I, I have come to this conclusion the hard way that I'm convinced that a fulfilled life, a truly fulfilled life is a life of service unto others. And so if I can serve my neighbor and then vice versa, they get to serve me. So let me let me share with you a moment of service in my neighborhood. And this is a selfish benefit. You asked for it. Here it comes. <laughs> when you have a crisis and a neighbor shows up in your moment of pain, game over. We had a dog die and my neighbor, Mike, showed up, brought me dinner and wept with me in my kitchen. And he was the first neighbor who met that dog when he was a puppy with Duke's sister, Daisy, and Duke passed away. And okay, okay, guys, we're adults and I'm getting weepy about a dog, but guess what? If the dog made me connect with a neighbor, then good for the dog. I have more neighbors that follow my dog on Instagram than me. And my attitude about that is, I'm glad that God gave me a dog. Because I'm connected more with my neighbors. The depth of what you're talking about, and I wish that we could dig it out. And we we connect with this because this is the stories we hear from all over the country, right? Every time we talk to someone about this, a lot of the good is similar. You see people that are making a definitive choice to say, I'm going to do something to care for someone next to me. Through that, they realize that it doesn't really work without consistency and availability. And then there's actually this benefit that comes from them that's unexpected, and each of them have a different story of what that might look like, but it's always unexpected. And a lot of that always leads to deeper relationship, the benefit of being known and knowing others. And it's just, I don't know, as I hear you talk, it's just this reminder of why we felt like this was important to begin, mm. you know, even for us. People thought, you're crazy. We're going to, you're going to move from California. You're going to move to Kentucky just to do this organization that doesn't pay you anything. And when we hear stories like this, it's like, yes, it's essential for our communities. It's essential for our, our well-being. And so I just, it's just an honor for you to be here and tell your stories. What is a way, if our listeners are listening, they want to know more about Tim to tell us and what you do and all the different organizations and things that you're a part of, how do they find your book? How do they find out about new missions? Give us some information on how they can connect with you. Yeah, no, thank you. My website is timdetellus.com. It's just my first and last name. One of the things I will tell you and your listeners, I, I did come today with a gift because before I give you the gift, I, I need to tell you who taught me about gift giving and the power of gift giving. And that would be my mom. When we lived in Haiti, as missionaries, it was very challenging to make inroads in the capital city with officials to even find food sources for our schools and what have you. And my mom 
is Italian. She loves to bake and she would always bake something and bring it, which you can imagine, you know, we live down a three mile dirt road, very primitive, no electricity. And here she's baking something to bring to somebody. It was a great gift, you know, to bring somebody something so tasty and sweet, but mom always has done that. And it always dropped the guard of whoever she gave it to. Even if maybe we didn't have a relationship with them at the end of that first meeting, it sure definitely made them remember us and we could go back. So in our neighborhood, I will tell you, um, gift giving and generosity is actually a little bit of a secret sauce for us. And I don't talk about it a lot because I don't want to necessarily brag about giving for the gain of a relationship, but I do want to use it as a very strong exclamation point to what it means to people because it's actually something that we all crave. And that's that ability to know that we do matter and we're important, right? And so what I'm thoughtful about, like I have a neighbor and uh, he, <laughs> it's kind of crazy to say it, but he actually loves those uh sweet and sour um, gummy beers, like they're, not the gummy beers. What are those things? Sour Patch Kids, Sour Patch. He loves, loves Sour Patch Kids. So if I, if I give this neighbor Sour Patch Kids, it's like I gave the guy the moon, right? But these little gifts, it just changes so much of our connection with people. So I came with a gift for you, uh, Dave and Jen and your listeners, and that is a free download of the book. Good neighbors make great neighborhoods. So you can download it for free at download.timdetellus.com. And you can put that in the show notes or wherever you want, but uh, download.timdetellus.com. At timdetellus.com, there's a links page which can link you to a lot of areas I'm involved with, uh, new missions being the main area of my life service. But, you know, again, when it comes to gift giving for your neighbors, it's interesting. I, I will tell you. Um, Jen asked earlier about maybe a little specific how-to. Understanding people's interests is really important. Find out what people love and what they enjoy. Well, thank you for sharing those, um, both the stories, but also just ways we can connect. And thank you for the gift. I'm excited to check into that. I think that that really touches on um, just what inspiration it is to hear stories from other people about how good is coming from this. Um, I think it's energizing for us. Like Dave said, I mean, we see these things happening in our own neighborhood, but when we speak of it, when we share those stories, I think what it does is that it continues that legacy with other people to be excited about their neighborhoods, to imagine what could this be like where I live and who is mm. that neighbor next to me? Maybe I should just go get my phone out and give them my contact. And so um, I think that's just a really exciting thing to hear from you today is your energy and your um, your true joy about what it means to be a good neighbor. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you guys for joining us on this episode of hashtag be the good in your hood. Yeah. So go out this week, find a way to connect with your neighbors and you never know, maybe there's an actual real benefit for you. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.